So welcome to the PRS podcast. My name is Rabbi Patrick, sitting here as always with my friend, founder and director of PRS, Rabbi Sandy Zisser. And this episode, Rabbi Patrick turns the tables, turns the tables. So first of all, welcome to the PRS podcast. I hope you're enjoying the series. And if you have any questions or comments, you can visit us at jewishpluralism.org. That's jewishpluralism.org. I hope you know this by now, if you've been listening to the podcast for this long. Uh, We spend so much time talking about PRS, right? That's the point of this podcast. But in the next two uh, episodes, we're going to talk about us. And, you know, of course, you got to talk about the director before you talk about, you know, the innovation program guy. You got to talk about the founder before you talk about, you know, anybody else. That's what's fair. So the next- I'm the guinea pig, eh? Yeah, right. Exactly. The pioneer. Oh, sure. (laughs) <laughs> so for the next two podcasts, Rabbi Sandy and I are going to talk about our lives and how we came to be where we are today. So you ready for this, Rabbi Sandy? I, I guess so. Here we go. Sure. All right. So can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so a few episodes back, you talked about your high school yearbook yes. and being voted the most likely, and I'm, I don't remember exactly, mm-hmm. but I wrote down a version of it, most likely to run a part-time synagogue and drive through Briss Emporium something like that that's a it's a, a good take yes it was the uh uh rabbi at a discount house of worship and drive-in circumcision center okay so i was close you were close you were close. close it was not bad not bad okay nice okay uh so so i'm going to start turning the tables on you here uh so how do you think your schoolmates came to that idea that that's what you would be so that's a good good question to start with uh i well so i think it's because at the time, I, I was attending a uh, Orthodox day school, um, and there's a story behind that as well, how I wound up there, but that might be a follow-up question. You never know. Um, not that I'm leading the interview, but just saying. <laughs> so I think it's because I I guess I was seen as religious, but definitely not mainstream Okay. by anyone, I guess friends and adults at the time so maybe that's where but i'm not sure i just thought it was really funny i still do actually i love it no i think it's great so yeah no it's it's fantastic and it it's so appropriate for what we do now Mm -hmm. right what you do and what you and i do so um okay so orthodox day school so let's back up a little bit so uh where'd you grow up what was your childhood like so i grew up in yonkers new york in in a uh post-Holocaust household, both my parents and three out of my four grandparents were Holocaust survivors. Wow. So for me, uh, and and I was born later, so I was, so full disclosure, because I'm sure the number's online somewhere, I'm 52. And uh, so I was um, born later, like I wasn't, I was was born in in 1969. So I was far enough removed from the the trauma of of the holocaust you know so because my brothers were born in the 1950s so we have uh, a good number of years that separate us and um so growing up you know it was it was judaism was important but it it wasn't everything okay right you know because because you are i guess we, we we did assimilate as as best as possible right and then um I mean, it wasn't until I was getting married and shopping for, for uh, you know, 
the registry, right? So we were, I remember, I remember we were in a, a Lord and Taylor's, right? Uh, yeah. Looking in at like some dishes or something. And I was in the pots and pans section. I was like, oh my gosh, I had one set of pots growing up and I never knew it. Wow, you just you know, never thought about it, right? Because well, it was in a it was a, it was a cabinet that had like a a, a turnstile in it. Sure. So, sure. You, so you turned it until you found the pot you wanted. I never thought the fact that I'm passing the same pots all the time. So wow. <laughs> I don't know. I guess wow. it never never dawned on me. But it was things like that. You know, like we went to I, I went to to synagogue every Saturday with my dad, but then we went out and did stuff. You know, right. in life. Okay. So what, what kind of synagogues you go to? So it was a conservative synagogue, uh, okay. which which has since closed uh, because of population shift, and sure. um, but it was founded by Holocaust survivors. So it was it was a you know, and I knew many of them right, growing up. So I, I had the benefit of their stories and, and what they did, but also benefit of their traumas. You know, so that wasn't the best, right. but. Um, it was a pretty good growing up for me in terms, you know, because again, I guess the, the when I was born was, you know, the, the family itself was better off. So okay. that, that sort of helped. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. The, the synagogue that you went to with your dad. So this would not have been egalitarian yet. Oh no, God. No, yeah, I, I think... have to say, right. Right. Oh no, no. A... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had, we sat, you know, men and women sat together but but the women just sat you know and right. and like so i remember very i mean it was like one of the last holdouts for egalitarianism um so it was really? real yeah it was it was really um and i'm not sure the reason why uh but but probably because of the people who made it up right the members uh and i i remember even as late as when my wife and I were getting married. So we had our, our Afruf the week before, right? The wedding. And I remember I had the Aliyah to the Torah for it and she just stood by her seat. Wow. But even then, like it was like, you know, yeah. 1990s, you know, it wasn't like it was like, right, right. Uh, you know, it wasn't like it was like 1970, right? Sure, so, sure. Uh, so that was relatively close in, 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 in time. Uh, to now so yeah it was the last holdout it was not egalitarian at all i love it i love it so okay so you're going to a conservative synagogue uh with your dad and then you're going out and doing stuff you got a, yes. a home that is uh you know one one set of pots and pans so not you know uh separate pans for meat and milk and the the passover ones locked in the right you know, the, the attic or whatever um, and, uh, but you're going to an Orthodox day school. So how did that come together? Well, not, not, not really. I mean, so that came later. So I actually oh, I was, I was a public school kid. You know, I okay. went, I went from nursery school through eighth grade, uh, in the Yonkers public school system. And luckily for me, I, I never had the Yonkers accent, you know, so you never, you never knew that. <laughs> I didn't even have to fight against yeah. that. I just never had to. You have to remember, I'm from the South too, so I have no idea what a Yonkers accent oh. is versus a Brooklyn accent versus a. Right, yeah. but you know what a New York accent is. Right, right. Right. It yeah, was that it's worse. I'm familiar with. It's worse. It's worse. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I won't even insult people by ma- by pretending to have one at the moment. Sure, so we're going to skip sure. that. Um, 
but yeah, so I grew up in the public school system and in my eighth grade year, which was junior high for us. Okay. Um, the school was closed for asbestos poisoning, right? So, oh, wow. so we had, it was an older building and, and it was basically the, like the ceilings were flaking off and there was asbestos in it. And, and, sure. and I remember like the custodians were walking around with, with respirator masks on and everyone else was like, whatever, we're just walking around, you know? And I was like, there's something wrong here, <laughs> you know? And then, and then we were, the school was closed down and we were moved into the uh, high school in Yonkers, okay. which was which was really not a good place to be <laughs> at the time, and we, um, I got a glimpse of of it, you know, and I was like, no, nah, there's no way, I'm not coming here for the next, you know, four years. I can't do that. So I had some friends right. at a, I had some friends over in the next town um, that went to a, a uh, Orthodox day school, and I was like, I can go there because you know there was no other choice. It was like that, or you know, so. I asked my parents about it and they were like overjoyed. They're like, oh yeah, you want to do that? Great. Because, you know, up until that point, I was doing after school Hebrew school at my synagogue, which was horrible. <laughs> and and um, it, was, it was bad. It was really bad. And um, right. I remember going, it was the first and almost last year that they actually took public school kids at, this, okay. at the yeshiva. Uh, I knew nothing. You know, like, I, I didn't know anything. I mean, it took me like months to figure out that there was more than one language on the page of Talmud, you know? Um, and, and it was really not a good thing. And the, but I wanted to do it. So I just studied a lot on my own okay. uh, to learn everything. And I did, uh, luckily I was able to, you know? And um, so that's how I wound up at the, the Orthodox day school. So it wasn't as if, it wasn't as if it was, uh, you know, in the cards, it just was the savior moment for Got school it. for me, you know? Got it. Okay. Gotcha. And so I'm just thinking culturally, right? Mm -hmm. Like going to the Orthodox day school, um, you know, there's a particular, you know, and it's obviously changed over the years, but you have a particular culture of Jewish mm -hmm. life there versus what you're doing at the, even the conservative synagogue back in the day. Right. Uh, and, you know, all of that. And then sort of living a modern uh, life and you know so it's it's the orthodox day school where you learn one thing it's the mm -hmm. conservative synagogue where you practice another thing and then right. it's the stuff that you do with your dad and the rest of your family outside of the uh right. you know the conservative synagogue so uh was there ever any sort of tension for you was there ever any uh overlap you know yeah. anything like that oh so much fun um yeah so you know i i guess i never really Okay, I'll start a different way. The, you know, in many times in the, the Orthodox answer to things is because that's what it says, right? right. Or because God says so, right? Uh, right? And and by no fault of theirs, because that's what it is. Like, you know, if there's a law or rule and it says it that way, that's how you do it. And that's just the way it goes. I never liked that. And I always would question everything. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to a point like I, I remember my my Talmud teacher um 10th grade uh name escapes me okay. but but I wouldn't say it anyway just in case he was still around um right. and listening to our podcast which would be totally ridiculous but <laughs> but um I remember it got to a point where you know he'd be teaching something I'd raise my hand he'd point to the door I'd put my hand down 
you know and it was just this moment of like okay i know i know i i can't ask this question but i have to you know and i think that was part of me finding my own way in you know being in this this orthodox day school uh which i you know i spent four years in it was uh it was also the time where i i did become more observant in in my practices so i you know started eating kosher uh i guess maybe i even went to an extreme on one side and then you know the pendulum swung back the other way eventually in my life right and i found where the you know the middle ground of things sure um but for sure i was definitely influenced by what i was learning and what and who i was with um but that wasn't the the whole of who i was so it was just an aspect of it but i did bring part of that you know back home with me you know it, it was it was definitely a learning experience for someone who wasn't in the world okay of you know of that of that realm yeah. Yeah. To, to figure that out uh i mean there was one time so we you know the one of there were two rules that that we really had to follow was that you had to wear a, you know a kippah all the time right okay uh you know you had to have your head covered uh while in school and of course i when i would come to school i would put it on when i walked into the building and take it off when i got out because you sure. know that was just what i did and there were times did i forget to put it on yeah <laughs> right? right i have to be reminded in the building yeah did i sometimes forget to take it off when i left yeah because you know i was a teenager right and um i remember very clearly and i remember the, the again the, the the rabbi's name but i'm not mentioning it just in case he's listening right. because again again that would be ridiculous no, but, but you never know i remember him stopping me in the hallway and saying to me so I have a question for you. And I said, yeah, sure. Good. Yeah. And this was in between classes, right? Okay. And, and he said, so I noticed that you don't wear your kippah all the time. Why? And I start to answer him. He goes, no, 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 don't answer. Just think about it. And he walked away. And you know, like in the movies, when that, that, that moment happens and like there's everything slow motion and, sure, and like you can't sure. hear anything. That's, sure. that's what happened, right? That was the moment that that's what happened to me. And I was, and I just stood there while everyone like, bustled around me and I was like I don't know the answer why don't I wear it all the time and it was actually from that moment that I did start wearing it um and it was so so I do wear it I mean I I the only time that I've actually ever um not wore one in public was right after 9-11 um because because i was like i don't know what the hell's going on (laughs) like i don't know what's going on in the world and and i that actually looking back on it after the the those few months i i was angry and embarrassed to myself about it you know and so i promised i would never do that again but there there was moments like that that i i said wow you know i don't know the answer and i don't have a good one for not doing something so i started doing it um, it's also the same year, of course, that I realized what did I want, what I wanted to be when I grew up, really? <laughs> you know, that I, I knew then I knew in 10th grade that I wanted to go into education. Okay. Um, and, but, you know, I guess once I grow up, I'll, I'll see if I got there. <laughs> we'll see. What kind of education did you want to do back then? Um, I knew I wanted to teach. I, I also, right. uh, knew that I. I probably, I mean, I knew this for, for almost certain that I wanted to teach American history, right? That was something that I really enjoyed and I really wanted to do it. And in fact, I did, I, I got a degree in, in American history and, and got a, a master's in, in teaching. And, um, 
and taught American history for 10 years. So yeah, I did that. But that, that's what I, yeah, that, I, and I remember like 10th grade, like it's really early to, to remember, to know that you wanted to do something like that. Yeah, that's incredible. And stuck with it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw a picture of you and your wife, who's also a teacher, mm-hmm. um, when you, I think it was like your anniversary that like, popped up on Facebook or something like of that. Of course. Like, and, and boy, were you young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we are we we are, we did celebrate our 29th wedding anniversary. So yeah, Mazel tov, Yeah, yeah. So uh, how how did you two meet? So we met actually at uh, a camper ma. Um, right. We were we uh, it was the camper ma in Nyack, New York. It's uh, one of the the two day camps that the that the conservative movement runs in the Vermont movement. Um, the, what's special about it though, is that the counselors and staff sleep there, but the kids go home every day. That is really different. Yes. And I always thought, well, the, obviously the point, you know, they think the point is like for planning and for, for being able to work for the next day. It's, it's really to, to make Jewish couples. (laughs) <laughs> you know like that's clearly what it was i mean it's a sh- it's a shit scam <laughs> yes you know that's, that's clearly what it was because like where else do you get that two months of like living you know as teenagers on your own with other people right you know and so so yeah i met her there we were both counselors um and it was one of those moments of yeah you know we and and the 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 situation by which we met one would think is is probably like you know definitely a higher power involved right Right. so the year before so i was uh this was the year in between um high school and college right uh you know the summer between and my father had been diagnosed with colon cancer and died in my uh, senior year right like uh right after graduation right right before um camp started and um so that year, you know, that summer when he died, I was in camp, uh, had that community, that a tremendous community that took care of me during, during the Shiva time. And, and, you know, after yeah. that, I you know, went back uh, to, to the camp for the next month and a half. And, and the, the year afterwards was when I met my wife. And um, it was the night that um, my the year of the 11 months of saying Kaddish was over. Okay. Okay. And, you know, I, I don't want to say that I was popular at the camp, but like everyone knew who I was. Okay. Let's just say that. Let's just say okay. everyone knew who I was. Okay. 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 And I remember um, w- right after we did the evening service, the Mari service that, you know, those 11 months of saying Kaddish were done and I could go like to back out into the real world and do like, you know, movies and, and sure. concerts and things. And, and I remember my friend saying, okay, so what do you want to do? And I said, I want to go to the movies. <laughs> like, I haven't been to the movies in a year. Um, yeah. So we went and it turned out that like everybody went. There was like 17 cars that went to the movies that night. Wow. Um, and I met her waiting for the movie to start. Oh, wow. Because she had been in camp. I actually checked her in when she came in that day, but I don't remember that. I mean, that part was like a fleeting moment, but I remember sure. meeting her on the steps of the, of the movie theater 
and we got to talking and and um the movie started and i wanted to keep talking to her even though like we were going in to see the movie and so i we were walking in with a group of people and we got to a, a row and as people funneled into the row <laughs> we sort of got separated so i i said you know the floor is really sticky in this in this aisle can we move down a little bit and of course that night everyone's like yeah whatever you want right yeah yeah of course right so right. we did and then i was able to reposition myself in in the aisle to sit next to her so wow yeah well played so, well yeah done. yeah thank you thank you very much and the rest <laughs> is history <laughs> you yeah. know and yeah. so yeah that but that was a uh, moment that you think like oh you know there's there's some higher thing going on here that you sure. don't realize right um yeah. because if you have to have like this traumatic event occur that the outcome you know the the year later and of course the support throughout the year from the from the camp like ooh, it would have been devastating otherwise right right you know wow so, and here we are here we are 29 years later you know yeah with yeah. uh two grown kids is that right Yes, two grown kids. Uh, one is 25 and one is 19. Yeah. So between, you know, being an educator, yeah. where you're around kids all the time, yes. and then having kids, yes. right, being a parent, how did you survive? How have you survived being around children all the time, like 24-7? I guess that is true. I've never really thought of it that way. In fact, that it's it is really with, if you count my own kids into it, it's like almost 24 seven. Yeah. I, I say that because I knew a, um, I knew a elementary school teacher uh -huh. and she loved the kids, right? She, you know, when you mm -hmm. think about like the stereotype of the fun, you know, quirky female elementary yes. school teacher, right? Like the Miss Frizzle type mm -hmm. of elementary yeah. teacher, right? She was that, but she never wanted to have kids. Because oh, she said at the end of the day, I want to like, make an impact i want to be around children i want to make an impact and then i want to go home and i want to be able to turn that off and be able to like have a, i remember distinctly her saying like I have a glass of wine a bubble bath and have my own time independent of what it means to be you know raising the future of you know children right. but for people who are in education of, of ch ch children's education and who have kids that sort of never turns off well, yes and no. I mean, it. it okay. You're, you're right. I mean, the fact is, you're right. I. I wow, I am around kids twenty four seven. Huh. Not anymore because my kids right, are older, they're so older. they're right. not home really much. They come home and visit, which is which is also weird. A different stage of life, right? But I guess I never right, really right. thought of it that way. It wasn't actually. Um, it was never a negative, you know, that way sure, because of not. because you know you have your kids, right. your own kids who right. usually don't listen to your advice, you know, and right. think that you're wrong all the time, right? Depending on their age, right? And right. then you have the kids at school who, even if they think you're wrong, still have to respect you. So, wow. you know, so there's this, this, but I never really thought of it that way because I, I really, I think I really treat them all the same. Like when I refer to the kids that I work with and their high school kids that I work with in school, sure. um, I refer to them as, as my kids. Right. you know like it's not like they're my students um wow so like when i'm sometimes it's weird when you're talking to their parents and you're talking about your their kid as your kid you know oh, but sure, sure but i think that there's a there's a piece of it that i've never really separated it out that way because it's just as important to to make an impact on them as it is on my own okay wow
Wow. Yeah. So, and I, I remember one of your kids, um, we hung out a little bit, um, you know, the evening before ordination day, yes. on ordination day as well. And yes. it was fun to watch the sort of banter that, you know, uh -huh. you and your wife and, and this one particular child of yours yes. uh, kind of had with each other. It was fun to kind of sit back and, and watch it. <laughs> it was like watching a play almost. Yeah. It was great. I loved it. Well, it is true. But so, so you were with my, my daughter was, was the one who was with it. And she's yeah, basically, yeah. she's basically me. Wow. Like, like, you know, like, like I did well with both of the, my kids' senses of humor, but, but she's definitely like, she'll definitely give me the run for the money. Oh, she was of it, brutal. You know, you know where, I'll, brutal. where I'll be like, okay, point taken. Thanks. <laughs> like, or like, yeah, you win this one. It's good. You got it. You know, yeah. good job. Um, but it's true. Uh, which is fun. I mean, it's a fun, um, I enjoy my kids, you know, <laughs> so when they're home, right. I'm enjoying it. And uh, I never actually, I mean, I shouldn't say this. Yeah. When they were little and they wouldn't sleep, oh, you know, or whatever, sure. like, is it a, is it a burden? It's a problem. Like it's, it's sort of an inconvenience, right. you know, you know, yeah. but, but, oh, I remember this, like my son, when he was, I don't know, two or three, he didn't sleep well at all. Right. There were right. nights when he was an infant that he was up for okay. hours, you know, uh, like, I was and that I, kid. I, and I remember, I and I would get up because I would like get up, like I'd wake up and be like, they're about to cry. And they did, you know, like it was like that moment, th those feelings, oh, wow. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, sure. Sure. And I also, I think that my, because my wife taught them to say dad first. Anyway, oh, but no. <laughs> they call for me. I think she planned no. that. Um, but like, I'd get up, and and because of it, by the way. So I, I always like trying to look at like at the bright side of certain things. Like so, yeah, there were there were like for six or eight months where he would get up every night like at one o'clock in the morning and be up for hours, you know. And okay. and but so I remember when he was an infant, Haley's comet was making a pass by <laughs> by by the Earth because I got to see it every night as it approached which was really cool. Wow. Like, but without that, I wouldn't have seen it. I wouldn't have been up at like one o'clock to three o'clock in the morning every day, you know? So, uh, you know, so you take those experiences and you can look at it like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm up and like, and be annoyed about it. But like, oh, look, here's what happens because I am, you know? Oh, wow. And of course there's also this extra bonding time and everything else that you get. So a lot of times it's, it's, you know, I, I never really saw any differences or, or negativity about being with kids you know oh wow even sure. even 24 7 like i enjoy it like i i think that that i work in a high school now for 28 years i've been working with with you know at, at the school and um it's what what's what keeps me on on the younger side so the my number my age is just a number sure you know because sure. i'm around like who are the people i talk to all the time we're kids who are 16 to 18 years old you <laughs> know like you know like so yeah it, it, it's a good thing you know yeah yeah i can see that you know I, they do say like kids keep you young and i, I remember my mom uh because i was the later in life kid yeah, yeah. Um, in my in my family um which is a bit of a unique structure in and of itself but um 
you know, my mom said, you know, I never knew that I was going to be a computer mom, like work in the like computer lab. I never knew that would be part of, you know, my, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, my world, you know, and and learning how to put a floppy disk right into the computer to load up Oregon Trail on a Macintosh one, Apple one or whatever it's called. I don't remember what kind of computer it was, but yeah, no, it it does do that. Like having children does um, give you give you sort of a connection to the future mm-hmm. um, and uh, a sense of also what's current, uh, whether right. you like what's current or not is a whole other story, I guess. That's, that's true. Yeah, right. I get it. Okay, so um, so at some point, you know, you've got your career, you've got your family, mm-hmm. all of that, and you decide you want to become a rabbi. You mentioned this funny story a few episodes back about the French fries, and if uh, if if people haven't listened to that, well, then you need to go back a few episodes and listen to the funny mm-hmm. French fry story. But moving past that story, right? You decided that seminary wasn't right for you. Right. So what kind of happened next? So what was? Well, I guess there's sort of like two parts to this. So a what made you think that the rabbinate was for you? You obviously decided that particular seminary wasn't right for you. And then what happened next? Sure. So that that was actually pretty early. So that was right after college, right? Because yeah. like, what am I going to do, right? What, what should, so I was teaching. Um, I did I did interview at seminaries because I thought, oh, that might be a logical step, right, mm-hmm. to, to become yeah. a rabbi. But I also knew I was an educator. And that's what I wanted to do. So you know, you can be both doesn't mean if you're one, you're the other, right? So not yeah, not every yeah. not every good rabbi is an educator, not every good educator could be a rabbi. So the so the idea was that I, I looked into it, and I couldn't really find one that fit 100%. So I said, Okay, so grad grad school it is right. So I went to right. um, I went to a, uh, a grad school for education, and I got my degree uh, in actually in uh, special education, K through 12 certification. Sure. Because right? I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with it, if I wanted to actually be a special ed teacher or not. Uh, but I knew that I'd encounter special ed kids regardless of where I was, so why not have the training? Um, cool, makes sense. And I did that. And then I got a job working in a, in a school in Manhattan. And okay. uh, two years after that, I, um, because, and of course, this this is the problem with with age, right? So I was what uh, twenty three, right? So it was, okay. um, but I I only stayed at that school for two years, uh, because of the religious discrimination that I was presented, which I didn't realize at the time what it was, because you know I the the headmistress called me into her office and said, you know, if you keep taking these days off in September, you're never going to advance. Wow. And at the time, my twenty three year old brain was, oh, okay. You know, like, yeah, sure, I'm like, sure, okay, sure. fine, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So I, I looked for a new job, you know, and then I, I, I wound up at the school I am in today. And, and of course, my 23 year old brain at the time didn't be like, hold on, let me call my lawyer, you know, because, like, right, right. because I'm going to own this building, you know, like that never happened. So yeah, it, yeah. it was like this moment of, yeah, I shouldn't be here. So yeah. I, and I went yeah. into Jewish education and I had always been actually since college in Jewish education. So I always worked in Hebrew schools, you know, extra cash flow in the sure. in yeah. college and stuff. And of course I kept doing it. And then um, I became a education director for various synagogues for 20 years. <laughs> I did that right. um, while right. I was working my other jobs because why not sleep is optional. 
I, and, I love that about you that, uh, you know, even when you recently, we had a little restructuring that we uh -huh. did. And I said, well, don't you want to like cut back on some of your extracurricular activities and work more? And you're like, well, but then I don't get to be lots of things. Right. And it was just sort of like, uh, okay, cool. That's how you want to live. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I always had this idea of not, you know, you know, the, the adage, not having all your eggs in one basket. Right, um, right. And I guess sure. this goes back to the last podcast we talked about about educational trust, right? Like the right. idea, okay. the idea of, wow. of like if you're one thing, then if that fails, then what? Right. Right. So I always had more than one job. I always had multiple jobs. Um, it, but all in education. It wasn't like there was a like you know I was a, I was a carpenter and then I was like right. you know doing this. Um, and uh, so then I was I was quite happy being a educator, a you know, Jewish educator. And that's what I did for a long time. And I, I guess 12 years ago, I said, you know what, I, I think I want to do the rabbi thing. Yeah, because I can, right? Right. And you in a sense are right. So I did, right. I, I pretty much I mean, there were people when I told them I was going back to rabbinical school, they're like, wait, you're not a rabbi. I was like, no, no, no. Yeah. Don't even play one on TV. You know, like, it was like one of those moments of like, oh, yeah, because clearly you might think that I am right so and and I guess it was that at some at some level it was let's see if this will work like if I could right. do this right okay. um and then there was the idea of well I don't I don't want to be a pulpit rabbi because for the last 20 years I've worked for Jews and I, I don't want to do that <laughs> you know okay. like there was a moment of like yeah. I can't sit through another board meeting you know um right. and right. and um but I said I'm doing this for myself Right. You know, so let's see what, what happens when I do this for myself. And I did. And, you know, one of the things that I found for myself is that nothing, except for the title, nothing really about me changed. Okay. You know, it was like nothing in your personality of, or your yeah. Judaism or anything. No, in fact, um, no, it's, it stayed the same, which was interesting to me because I guess it was more of, a, you know, I already spent 20 something years studying. <laughs> for this moment right. you know right. uh i mean there were there were courses i took that i could teach right, right. you know because because i was <laughs> so but you know it was more of the experience and the challenge for myself to go do it yeah yeah it, it it's absolutely fantastic you know i'm i'm one of these people that i i believe in practical education but mm -hmm. it is fantastic when you're at a point in your life where you feel like you can do something, you know, learning, we're always talking about that in Judaism, learning for its own sake, mm -hmm. and, and the value of that. And it's pretty cool that you did this learning. And like you said, the only thing that changed about you is the title. Um, and that you've gained, you know, you've gained a lot from learning in order to teach, you know, mm -hmm. that you, you right. study in order to teach something. And then that, yeah, it's, it's a reciprocal thing. Um, and I've seen that with you with courses that you've taught at PRS where, you know, on some level you were sort of like, well, I want to know more about this, right? Like I can teach it on face right. value, but I also want to spend some time learning about it. Right. And that has spilled over to me where there was never any intention that I would teach any courses other than innovation. And I was mm -hmm. sort of very clear about that. And uh, from the beginning, and now, you know, I took, I'd taken courses on philosophy of religion and, mm -hmm. um, and the, the, the theodicy and the problem of evil and some of those philosophical things. And I had seen that boots on the ground, visiting people in hospitals. 
And I was like, okay, well, I could teach that because that was a course we needed. And then, mm -hmm. you know, we wanted to do a modern Torah commentaries, which is oddly <laughs> hard to hire someone to, to teach that class. Right. You'd think that'd be yeah. like low hanging fruit, but no one wanted mm -hmm. to teach it. So I was like, well, I, you know, I have to, I'm a pulpit rabbi. So I have to come up with Torah commentaries anyway. Uh, so yeah, I could do that. And, and a lot of it has come not because we desperately need to hire people, mm -hmm. but because I've seen how you do it. I've seen you take mm -hmm. an interest in something and you're like, I could teach it anyway, but gosh, wouldn't it be great to also spend time learning it or relearning it or learning right. it in a new way? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that's an inspirational thing it really is. Oh, I'm happy I could give you that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I mean, you for taking my time away from me. Look, the <laughs> fact is that, that, I mean, that's the, that's the piece that I actually really like about education is that I can, you know, there's always something else to learn, right? There's right. always something else to know. So if I'm, if I'm looking at something uh, like a course that I'm teaching, like, you know, like the one that I, that I do teach for, for PRS, the, the, the Jewish history, the movements course, right? right. Like I, I, I know about the movements, like I've taught sure, it before, sure. but right. I said, no, I want to, I want to teach this from an angle that I've never done it before. Right. 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 And that's, I think that's part of it. I think that's, that's the idea of, you know, in Judaism you or in life, you don't stop learning. Like you have to keep doing it. There has right. to be something that, because otherwise it, you know, you fall behind. Right. Like I, right. I, promised myself I would never be the person who like could you help me how to print you know or like, like <laughs> I don't understand this computer thing or what's the interwebs you know like I, I wasn't gonna be that person you know um and so like for me personally like in the morning before so I've also been doing Dafiomio start studying the page of Talmud oh, really? a day Right. So that, that happens like at five in the morning for me. So okay, uh, okay. Uh, five 30, let's, let's, I was going to ask you, do you have any practices and uh, spiritually or educationally that are meaningful to you? So thanks. For yes. Like, so that's one of them. Up. And yeah. you know, okay. it's, so a, it, yeah, it is a seven year commitment. Right. So right, right. Uh, I'm in the, I guess this is the second year of it starting the third year of it soon uh -huh. uh, because it was right before the pandemic started in that January. Right. So, right. Um, but I'll do that. But, then I'll, I'll read, you know, like four or five tech websites, you know, because, <laughs> because I need to know what's going on. So right. there's this, 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 I guess it's also a curiosity piece for me, you know, uh, because I, I think that I can't be satisfied with, with just knowing what I know. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah there's uh, there's this huge world out there and so many things have happened and you sort of don't want to miss it. Right. Yeah, I get it. Mm -hmm. I get it. So, so okay. So you've been a rabbi for thirteen years. So I'm guessing it had been what would that be then? Three years, uh, three four years of being a rabbi, and you stumbled upon Darshan Yeshiva. Would that be about right? So the math in my head. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you're talking to me about math. Right. Um, fair enough. Well, it had, yeah. so it had been some some time. You'd so, been a rabbi for you know it wasn't like you were it, ordained and then Darshan Yeshiva was there. No, it was it was. It was I I wouldn't say it's like about two years into it so okay. yeah so okay i mean i remember watching the original punctoria youtube videos oh how embarrassing that patrick olive guy geez louise Ugh. those links can uh, be found no i'm kidding <laughs> oh god yeah they can just, yeah, just look they them up can. no you i remember find those. all that embarrassing mortifying yeah, yeah. Stuff and i remember like those it. and i remember watching those and i think it was like the next year after finding them or or a year and a half when the the 
the Darshan Yeshiva thing started. So I think that it was it was somewhere in that time frame. It's so hard to say because for me, you know, 1980 was 10 years ago. So. Right, <laughs> sure, sure, I get it. But I yeah, pretty it. pretty early on, I, I would give it a couple of years after become yeah. you know, or, or, ordination finding Darshan Yeshiva, yeah. So then what, you know, when you when you think about it, I don't know what it's like to be a Darshan Yeshiva rabbi in a sense mm-hmm. that stumbling upon something and trying to decide if that was something I wanted to participate in. I, sure. I don't have that experience because right. I'm the one who helped build it. So Correct. what was it like for you when you saw that? Because you, I think, were rabbi number two or number yes. three of yeah, yeah. the sort of rabbis that we hired out um, through promotion, right? Like there were right. people that got started who were right. the, the sort of, I'm building a team, as you talked about right. in a couple episodes back. Uh-huh. So I did my version of I'm, I'm putting together a team Right. And then you were, I think, maybe rabbi number two of yeah. the expanding out beyond that. So what was mm-hmm. that like when you found it and, and what so kind I, of ran through your mind? When yeah, you I remember that. I remember this actually pretty well. So um, so after the those those um, YouTube videos, right? Because right, if right. you remember, you were, there was an attempt of the the weekly Torah study on YouTube. Remember that? Oh gosh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do. And well, when I, I first saw those, I was like, "This is pretty cool." Like, well, first of all, YouTube was in its like in diapers, Infancy, you know. Yeah. And um, I I remember thinking like, "This is pretty cool. I could get into this." And like watching it and listening to it, I was like, "Yeah, it's cool." And I started following you know Punktar on Facebook, I guess it was, and and then you sort of went dark for a little bit, <laughs> you right, know. Right. I was like, okay. You know, things happen, whatever. Yeah. And then I saw that promotion piece about looking yeah, for... Yeah, that's why we went dark. Yeah. Right. For looking for curriculum developers. I was like, well, I can do that. That was my response. Yeah. I was like, well, I can do that. Let me see. So, you know, and and I remember responding to it. And I just thought about the idea of, oh, well, it's just making, you know, doing curriculum. I could, I do that all the time. You know, it's right. no big deal. And, 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 and I never left. So, yeah. <laughs> and what's, what's in, true. yeah what's interesting though is i i remember the our initial conversations about doing it. i was like yeah you know like and again if you if you think back to the business model we were talking about the last podcast about like right. deadlines and this and that and you're like yeah here's the deadline and here's what you get paid i was like okay right <laughs> right wow here's a novel idea <laughs> you know and i remember and i remember just doing them but I remember right. sitting in the, I, I have those videos though, like the original ones that I did. I don't find them as embarrassing as you find yours, uh, <laughs> partially because, partially because mine are not on YouTube. Uh, right. <laughs> they're, right. they're in a hard drive. Um, but I remember them, like, I guess it was like using the laptop camera at the time, like in sure. like basement with, sure. with you know no real good lighting no real good backdrop or anything and just I think like, i remember some wood paneling or something yeah like something that. like that yeah, just doing it yeah, you know yeah. and and i remember like yeah I, it sounds fine was there editing yeah i think the editing was stopping and starting the recording right you know like right. I, we didn't really do much so they were they're much more raw and unpolished I, there's sort of a a niceness to that you know okay. but sure um but I remember doing those and I remember finishing it like that. Yeah, that was pretty good. And then, you know, I submitted them and I got paid. Go figure, you know. Yeah, but I yeah. think that but that but after that, you know, I, I like our relationship just grew. Like there was right, like this right. the organic piece to it of like 
I guess you had, you know, part of it was like you had a live one on the other end, like someone who's actually producing material, right? <laughs> like that helps. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, and and I, I never really thought of it as, oh, I'm taking a chance with this. I'm like, no, whatever. You know, I'm just, I'm just doing this. I, I assumed it was like a one-off, right. you know? Who knew that all these years later, <laughs> we'd be sitting here, you know, at this moment. But yeah. I get it. And then, you know, conversion program comes mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. And I mean, did you ever have any concerns about that? Did you ever wonder, like, how's that going to work out? Or was it sure. just just like with PRS, where you're just like, no, we got to do this? Yeah, I think that it was slightly different, only because I was new at the rabbi thing. Right. Right. For a year or so, too. Um, and um, the concept was, was different, right? This idea of... Right working with people who not are not necessarily with you in the same room working on conversion and how does that actually work you know it it went against the grain of like what like normal conversion with if anyone could see the air quotes over the airways you know (laughs) the idea of like normalcy right the idea of like this is a normal not normal thing to do but yet we're doing it um but in the end it wasn't really anything radical like what, what the program does is it really just pairs up students with rabbis and they, they right. could be across the globe, you know, right. and then, yeah. and then they study together and then they work through, you know, the conversion material and then they actually meet in person for the conversion, right. you know, and, and what was really interesting for me is that my friends, and, and, and I've mentioned this before, I have a lot of rabbi friends, right, living where I live, um, of all denominations, and I had a pick of people who would, would sit on Beit Din with me, you know, mm-hmm. and the fact that they would, you know, they would, and partially they do it because it's me and, you know, right. they know me. It's the handshake right. world of, yes. you know, education. Yes. So the fact is that they know that if I'm bringing someone who's ready to convert, that, that I've made sure that they're ready to convert, you know, right. um, much like, and we also have in our, in our, community a very much barter system like you know you need someone for a beidin mm, for yeah. a conversion but two months later the other another rabbi is going to need someone on their beidin for a, for a divorce and then you know we we just do do that you know like there's no like ever oh you have to pay the, the beidin you know to do their thing we just do it so yeah so that world and of course all these rabbis were friends of mine before i was ordained so that didn't change you know um i mean I, I i guess i saw the program as different but i was open to it you know i i know i know from from historical documents and facts that that it wasn't received that way across the board right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but but who who cares about those people you know those those are the folks that are they're stuck in their hole um right but yeah i didn't have an issue with it i thought it was a pretty current you know way a, a current way of fixing a, a problem that people were having because if people wanted to convert but they didn't have synagogues near them right wasn't their fault wasn't they right. their fault they lived in like the middle of nowhere utah right. you know right so and and the material was solid so why not yeah and, and the fact of the matter is that history catches up to innovation mm-hmm. right so right. you were innovating something that was a wild concept and then, you know, I think a week into COVID-19, mm-hmm. I'm only picking on this particular group because it's it's just an example. Um, the, the conservative movement that was so anti-technology on Shabbat said, well, right. for the time being, 
right? right? Because it's just like it says in the Talmud that, you know, the rabbis always said there might come a time where these rulings have to change. And so the conservative argument was, well, we're in that time now, aren't we? Mm -hmm. Um, And so on a bigger picture level, that's how I feel about the conversion program, that it it just took time for, Mm -hmm. for the world to catch up. And sure. it's a little different with PRS because we launched it, you know, and then 90 days later, you have the pandemic. Right. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't nine years, right? Or, or however long, right? It was mm-hmm. you know, a very short condensed period of time. And um, so that's part right. of why I think the PRS has been relatively easy mm-hmm. to, to manage compared to dar- the early days of Darshan Yeshiva. We just... You know, society has changed so much since you first started at right. Darshan Yeshiva, right? Right, and and by society, I mean Jewish society, but then tech, right? Like mm-hmm. the idea, the ubiquity of online learning, um, that was such a novelty back then, right? Yeah, it's something. Well, so you, it was. you know, you start off with conversion with the uh, content mm-hmm. you know, creation, then you do conversion, then you're running Darshan Yeshiva. Mm-hmm. And now you're running uh, as a director of education. You are a director, mm-hmm. therefore, by extension, of Darshan Yeshiva and PRS. Right. Um, so even more big picture, you know, how do you manage to do all of that and have a school and uh, work at a school and do other Jewish communal responsibilities that you have and have, you know, two grown kids who drop in every once in a while and, you know, maintaining, you know, shalom bias, you know, like, you know, keeping, keeping, you know, a good, healthy relationship at home. How do you manage to do all that? Coffee. (laughs) The caffeine rabbi. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because when you, when you, list all of them it does sound like it's a lot but they uh-huh. but every but nothing really gets in the way of the, the other too much um i think okay. that i was lucky over the last you know 13 15 years of or not even i guess even even working you know as education directors in the synagogue and working a, a full-time job yeah so i've been always doing it um i think that there's this understanding that i just needed to do it Right. And gotcha. my my family knew that like Sunday mornings I wasn't gonna be home till uh till noon, right? right. I would leave before they woke up because right. I had to go to work. Right. Um or uh but there was always I always like to leave work at work. Okay. Now that's difficult when you have an online work. Right. right. I was about but, to say, like leaving work at work is somehow is sometimes the antithesis of being rabbi, where you, right. it's always at home. But the fact is that that also, by the way, <laughs> the thing you didn't list, which which I'm not sure, like I accidentally have a whole tutoring business that I didn't right. set up. You know, right. like I I have currently I have four kids that I'm tutoring for bar mitzvah locally, and one conversion person that's down the block. Like I didn't plan any of that. Right, Those things right. weren't things that I was like, yes, I need to go do this too. And sure. they just sort of happened, but they're, yeah. but I look at it, I look at all of it as part of the learning process for me. You know, this is who I am. Yeah. If you want to talk about what I do, well, this is what I do, right? Do I have downtime? Sure. Do I enjoy it? Yes. Would I love more of it? Yeah. But then the other stuff wouldn't get done, right? So I try to make work, not so much work focused as as right. like enjoyment like i enjoy the things i do 
if I didn't enjoy them, I wouldn't do them. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. part of it. I think that's part of it for myself. I've been reading, I, I finished it a couple of weeks ago, this book called Stolen Focus by mm -hmm. Johan Hari, which is an excellent, excellent book. It's about how um, so many factors have contributed to our inability to focus on things um, for any length of time. It's it's like not worth getting into right now, but I really recommend people checking it out. But, uh, you know, one of the things he talks about in this book, and I think that he's he's quoting a conversation that he had, this journalist, Johan Hari, has with a psychologist who is studying edu education and studying learning and how people learn. And it's all about intrinsic value. So extrinsic value is, you know, I passed the test, so I get a cookie when I go home or I get the grade and then that is whatever. But intrinsic value is that it is something, you know, it's, it's that prefix of in inside it's internally meaningful and that people who work on things that have intrinsic value to them, get into a flow state and that the flow state is where basically you and whatever you're doing dissolve into each other and you like lose time and all of these other things. And it seems like for you, all of these different things you do, like all these different ways that you are Rabbi Sandy, whether it's this conversation right now, the conversion you'll do later, the four B'nai Mitzvahs you're working on, uh, yeah. your teaching in your school, all of these other things, it's all one flow state because it's all intrinsically valuable to you. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's I, I, And, you know, sometimes am I doing all the jobs at one time? Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. like it's true. Like, you know, the, the idea of finding time to do certain, and by the way, you know, I, I, I go to the gym like three nights a week, Yeah, but I do yeah. that at, I do that at 8 PM because when else am I going to do it? Yeah. Like I, my, I want to be more like you in that regard. I did, I did take your advice when you were first on your health regime about, uh, you know, taking care of yourself, but the, the exercising part I still haven't gotten yeah. to yet. The, right. the diet part I did, but the other part I didn't. Well, eventually maybe, but, the, like, yeah. <laughs> but you know, the, the, the fact is that I, I just oh, want yeah. to do all of those things and I find time somehow to do it. Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, yeah, because if it's not a drain to you, Mm -hmm. then and and in fact if it pumps you up right then then of course you're going to want to do it of course mm -hmm. you're going to want to do things that you know if you come home from work every day and you're beat down and exhausted because you're doing something that you don't care about and that right. bothers you and whatever then yeah you're not going to find time because mm -hmm. you need hours and hours and hours of your life to recuperate right um, right if you're happy and excited and engaged and you get up every morning maybe not every day is perfect but most uh -huh. days are then yeah, of course you're going to have all the energy in the world to do it yeah. and find time. It's true. I mean, I, I try to each day affect at least one person. Wow. That's what I try to do. That's my goal, right? Wow. Um, wow. Of course, I don't know till the end of the day if it works or not, but that's sure. my goal. So if, if I could affect someone's life, at least one person each day, that works. So for me, there's a motivating factor involved um, right. to get up right. and do. So right. yeah, but but nice. but i guess um it's it's i've been doing it for so long that it's sort of commonplace to do it you know like i, I can't think yeah. of like i got on vacation i get up at 5 15 anyway because what else am i the coffee's <laughs> called first of all the coffee is calling you know so right, like why not right. but yeah so sure it's 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 just it's i've made work part of my life right 
you know right mm -hmm. that's wonderful so i thought we could end the uh you know table turning podcast episodes yes. with the same five questions so i wrote two Okay. Um, and then I made a note that said Rabbi Sandy writes three, but then we decided to record these and not take the time to actually okay. write the remaining three. So what I thought is I'll just ask you five questions okay. rapid succession, and then you can come up with five others. Okay. <laughs> you can Sounds do good. your own. Okay. So here we go. Uh, question number one, favorite Jewish, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, favorite Jewish teaching, anything, anywhere, however you want to define Jewish favorite. Wow. Jewish um, Favorite Jewish teaching. Okay, so um, probably would have to be if you know the the famous quote of "If I am not for myself, Hillel." Right, Hillel's right. Uh, you know, if I'm not for myself, who who will be for me? At least that part of it. Like, if not now, when? Uh, only because it's this idea of taking care of yourself, but also taking care of others at the same time. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. I would the, say that's uh... it. The oxygen mask on the airplane. Right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love it. Okay. Uh, what's something that keeps you going even when you feel like giving up? The idea that that whatever is going on at the, this moment is temporary, right? That there's always that the things, you know, if you look at time, like life and time, like a, a river, and you're the bridge. Okay. That the river flows under. Whatever's in the river is going to pass. Mm. right and as long right. as the foundation strong the bridge still remains wow. right so that's my thought that's what that's what keeps me going even though i i have had some really hard times um yeah. you know and and i think that's what it is that, that idea of it'll eventually be better yeah and different wow mm -hmm. wow love it share a short memory that is meaningful to you and why and meaningful doesn't necessarily have to be happy a uh, memory that's actually, I guess, shaped who I am in many ways is the, is my father's death, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a memory that I, I remember mostly. I don't remember. I, it's funny because I don't remember like graduating high school. I don't remember looking for college. I don't remember applying. I don't remember all that because I, my brain blocks that part out, but it's definitely shaped who I am because when you have a, a death in a family of a, of a close family member you, there are two ways you could go you could go closer to religion or further away from religion right that's usually what happens either way yeah. like that that belief in something higher or the nothing matters moment and mm -hmm. i think that moment for me was what really drew me closer to what i wanted to do and wow. be and i think that really shaped everything else uh, that i am in many ways nice so final question, uh, what are your hopes for the future, the future of yourself, for humanity, for PRS, what, however you want to define that? What are Gosh, your hopes for okay. the future? So like, you know, people I like, humanity, not so much. <laughs> so, so that's a hard question for that, right? But I, you know, I guess it's the same idea, the idea that if things are going to get better, let them get better faster. Right. Because yeah, I guess that's, that's a humanitarian right. piece, right? Yeah. <laughs> things will get is. better. It definitely yeah. is. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, make sure to visit us at jewishpluralism.org. And remember, that's a.org. And if you enjoy this podcast, make sure to subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And if you really enjoy what we're doing, you can give a donation. Because again, this is a or, .org, an organization. It supports all our hard work, the hard work of Rabbi Sandy, all of our educators, uh, all of our students, everyone who makes all of this possible. So you can go on our website, jewishpluralism.org, give a donation. Every dollar helps. 
and it really means a lot to us. So my dear friend, Rabbi Sandy, thank you for letting me turn the tables on you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Talk to you next time. Yep.